Oh, no. Oh, no. You allergies? No, I just get, like, congested in the morning. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've, I, every time I've slept over, yeah, like, I mean, we're both that way. Like, yeah. I know that we both kind of just end up, like, sniffling and stuff in the morning. But also, yes, I have allergies. everyone welcome to the good games podcast i'm james i'm leo um and today we are going to be discussing the uh visual novel uh Mm. doki doki literature club indeed uh and then we are going to be discussing our top five story-based video games uh so what did you think of doki doki literature club I give it um, an eight out of ten. Wow, that's uh, that sure is a number. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it. I mean, it was good, and it was uh-huh. like you know um, an enjoyable. Uh, uh, I think right, we have to give a a, a a a brief kind of disclaimer to this episode. Yeah, yes, I think, I think we're gonna go into spoilers here, right? Yes, absolutely. This that's a very good point. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Doki Doki Literature Club is a, um, it is a visual novel that, um, makes, it, it, it wants you to think that it's all about dating, uh, it's like one of those, like, dating sim visual novels, and it is that to a certain extent, but it is also much more, and the game is much better if you don't know what the surprises are that it's going to throw at you so having said that if you have not played doki doki literature club it is free it is free it's free you can get it for free on steam and i think also on team salvato's website for free that's nothing you pay nothing and you get to have a fun experience so stop this podcast and go play the game yes and yes. then come out. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's only I don't know between th- two, three, four, five hours, something like that. It's not that long, uh, and it's good. Uh, so yeah, um, this is the cutoff point. Beyond here, there will be spoilers. You have been warned. Here we go. All right, All right. Um, right. let's get into this. Okay. Um, so. So, uh, do, do you, should, is it, is it worth recapping the events of the game so that we have, I don't know, a, a foundation to build our discussion on? Well, let me, let's, you know what, I have an idea. And I, I don't know how, okay. how you're, you planned on, on going through it, but what if we, uh-huh. what if we step through it together? Yeah. And then, and then kinda, yeah, that's good. when we hit a certain milestone, like, I feel like the first milestone is pretty, it's, it's pretty, you know. Everyone knows yeah, about it. Yeah, 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 we'll, yeah, yeah. you know, we'll 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 kind of take a break and say like what we think about it so far. Um. So, uh. Well, th- I think the very first thing that is notable about this game is when you boot it up, it has a content warning that says like, yeah. um, uh, this game is not for those who are like easily disturbed or something. Yeah. Which, which, if for some reason you have stumbled across Doki Doki Literature Club without knowing at all what it is, that's the first indication that like huh like something's up with this game right right? something's not what it should be you know right yeah but then the game goes on for a long time without showing its hand at all so um 
it 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 starts out uh like you are a i don't know i guess you are like a japanese schoolboy and uh you're whatever in high school mm-hmm. and you're like walking to class with like your like girl next door friend uh who's who is sayori who is like encouraging you to get involved in clubs at school so you join at her suggestion you join the literature club which is why this is doki doki literature club and in the literature club there are like three other girls who are to some extent like romantic interests right and that's that's like the first setup to this game is like which one of these cute girls do you want to date or whatever uh all right so let me talk about let's let's talk about that just that aspect of the game right yeah okay I mean, it was a big it was a big chunk of it if we're being honest uh-huh um yep. first of all i gotta say uh i liked you know trying to court one of these girls uh-huh um that was very a fun experience for me they were very attractive mm-hmm. i felt like they had a good future as women potential mothers i mean i feel like i could see myself with them for the rest of my life so what i'm trying to say is i was i, I might have fallen in love a little bit oh my god Wh- which girl did you fall in love with all of i think all of them wow yeah okay so here's the thing um there are four girls. I, I mentioned Sayori, Sayori before. There's also like Natsuki, who is like this like little angry girl. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like her that much. There is Yuri, who is like this really nervous bookish type, and then there is Monica, who is um I don't the know leader. how to describe. She was yeah, a she's kind type. of the leader. Yeah, she's she's a type A personality. Yeah, she's like the one organizing everything. She's a little more uh, confident than any of the other girls. Uh, I was um, immediately uh, attracted to Monica, but the way the game works is uh, like, okay, it is a visual novel, but one one of the things that makes this game interactive is every session after the literature club meets, you go home and you have to write a poem to present at the next literature club. And the way the poem writing works is you pick, I think, 20 different words, and the words you pick are ascribed to one of the girls in the club. But there's only three girls, uh, Natsuki, Yori, and Sayori. And so, like, I, I think Sayori like, likes all of the, like, cutesy words, and Yuri likes all of the, like, bigger word, the more bookish and, like, more darker words. Darker, and then right? Natsuki... She's into, like, horror and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Natsuki, I, I never got a... I mean, she likes some of the cutesy stuff, too, but, like, I, I couldn't make a differentiation between like what was going to trigger the things that natsuki liked and the things that sayori liked the thing that was annoying to me is that like hey i want to impress monica like where are the words that like why am i uh you know tunneled into just these three girls like uh i'm I'm more interested in monica the whole time uh which i i don't think that's what the game wants you yeah. to do the right, first no. time around. We'll get to that point. We'll get yeah. to that point. Yeah, they're, they're, anyway. trying, they're trying to force you into a certain path, right? I mean, that's really what it comes yeah. down to. But but I agree. It was, it was frustrating when you're playing and you don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which of these three girls were you trying to impress? Um. So when I say any of them, I really mean it. Like, Oh, okay. I, All right. I was, just, I was just choosing random words. And when one girl seemed interested in me, I was, oh, oh, oh you like that? okay i'll write more of that and so like i think the first time i accidentally impressed uh yuri 
Mm-hmm. And then and then I accidentally impressed Sayori. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was like, I'll, I'll take both of you. Like, come on, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So um, it was. It's weird because like I couldn't. I I didn't have as easy of a time um, establishing which, like, what words and stuff in that whole like you know word selection. You like twenty words. Uh huh. Um, I had a hard time differentiating like which actual words led to what my poem was mm. um and i i i think i've heard i've talked to a few people about this game who agree that 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 mechanic while it's really like neat it's a little uh i don't know it just feels a little disconnected from like the end okay. product of that poem you're writing sure yeah. Um, yeah 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 and the other weird thing is you never see what the poem you wrote was like the the other yeah. girls the other girls do and they like make reactions to it like if you choose a bunch of like uh, whatever bookish words, then Yuri will get really excited and Natsuki will be angry or vice versa. Yuri will be like, ah, oh, this is a dumb poem. And Natsuki will be like, oh, you did such a good job or whatever, you know. Right. Um, but you never get to see what you wrote, uh, which is sort of interesting. I don't know. So I think the next story beat that happens, um, the next like significant story beat that happens is dependent on all of these poems that you you've written. Um, you either get a date with, well, you get like a, whatever, you get like a hangout session with either Yuri or Natsuki, depending on the poems that you wrote. Now, which of these two girls did you hang out with? Uh, so, I mean, I really tried desperately to hang out with both. I was trying to be very nice to both women. Uh Um, I ended up having Yuri come over. I mean, I felt like she was a little aggressive. Uh Like I was trying to like, like step off. I'm trying to get with Yuri too. But she, uh-huh. <laughs> she just wouldn't have it. She had to come over. Mm-hmm. So, so like during that session, it is hinted that like Yuri has like a knife fetish and may or may not like to cut herself. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait! What you got it? You got it that early? Yeah, no. I mean, she. Uh, yeah, because you're like clipping the paper, right? Yeah, you're like clipping the paper. And then, like, Yuri gets up close to you and is like, oh, like, I really like uh, knives and, like, I have a whole collection of knives. Oh, and, like, okay, yeah. Okay, I forgot that. Um, yeah, there, there's some hint and you're like, what? what? <laughs> and then, like, that scene just kind of ends and you're like, okay, that was really weird. Yeah. Which then, uh, after that, I think the next story beat is that uh, Sayori confesses that she's fallen in love with you and that's like the girl next door that you've like grown up with and like have known for forever right. um now uh did you i i looked up i looked up actually what happens with this and it turns out it doesn't matter either way uh, but did you reciprocate uh sayori's affection i'm assuming you did i actually did not wow yeah okay so sayori says uh i love you do you love me and you said no maybe i did say yes Mm, okay well I and- go back. no i think i think okay okay all right okay 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 all right okay <laughs> i remember i remember thinking that i should click no uh-huh. uh because i felt like i was starting to understand what was going on you know she was um she seemed like i think up, up until this point she had like not gone to literature club like one day or something oh right so, we, like, we 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 skipped a part where sayori reveals that she has like crippling depression and like exactly. uh sometimes she won't go to class because like she feels like there's no point in getting out of bed we skipped that exactly yep yeah so at this point we already know that she's you know she's she's battling depression so like i thought you know the whole i love you thing especially when she explains how like you know if she's with 
you as the main character, she would be happy, but then like she would also be sad because you know she feels like she's forcing you into this, and uh, you know. And I figured if she's not with you, she'll probably always also be sad because she loves you. So, but I thought it would just be better if I said, "No, I don't love you. I don't want you to feel like I'm saying I love you just because." You know, I was really into this part. Like I I (laughs) Uh was, I was thinking this through. You know, Uh, but I think I did end up clicking. I love you. So, so I. At this point in the game, uh, my investment in it was dwindling. Uh, I was like, uh, I was like, uh, I know that there's something, there's something up with this game. And I've been playing for about two hours and the game has not shown me what it has up its sleeve yet. So I was just trying to like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think, I think we're both felt the same way. Like up and up Mm -hmm. until the whole, I love you talk. Like, yeah, really? I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. About thirty minutes before the "I love you" talk, mm-hmm. I was skipping text. Oh like, no! Okay, I uh-huh. was. I was so. That's probably why I missed the knife thing. I, okay, I was. I I was fatigued, um, and oh. that's one of my major problems with this game. Like mm-hmm. literally, I was just. I was just. Oh come on, skip the. Let's go. This is so <laughs> boring, and I don't uh-huh. know if I'm just like losing patience with games or something. But so <laughs> so I, I feel you. You know, I, I felt that fatigue at this point already. Yeah, uh, I I was never um, I don't know I was never bored by it, but I I knew that this game had a secret that it hadn't shown me yet, and I was just you know like all right, come on, show me what this is. Yeah. Um. So after you tell Sayori that you love you or that you love her or you don't, uh, the next day at school she does not show up to class. Right. Um. And so you're like, oh, God, where's Sayori? So you go all the way back to her house, go in her room, and this is where the game uh, really takes a turn because Sayori has hung herself. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) You walk into the room. Uh Uh-huh. It's dark. Yep. You notice her backpack, which she always carried, is in the corner. Uh-huh. Odd how you notice those types of things before anything else. Yeah. In in, in those types of situations. Mm-hmm. And then a swaying foot hits your elbow and you realize she's been hanging there the whole time. <laughs> uh yep. I don't know. Um yeah. Yeah, that was the first kind of big like, whoa. Right? Uh-huh. Uh so this is where the game starts to get weird um so sayori hangs herself uh and you're confronted with a picture of sayori dead uh and then the game kind of starts to like glitch out a little bit and then it reboots and when you get back to the title screen uh previously the title screen had all four of these girls on it and when you get back to the title screen sayori is all glitched out like the image of sayori is all messed up um and when you hit continue game, uh, the game starts over from the very beginning, and you start playing through it again, but this time around, there is no Sayori, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I actually, when I wound up back on the main title, uh-huh. I tried I tried loading a save. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, what did like, that do? What did that do? Yeah. Um, they were all gone. Uh-huh, yep. Which... Which pissed me off. <laughs> I was just fed up. I was like, really? You throw down, this is finally the thing, 
And now mm-hmm. I want to go back and see what happens if I tell her I don't love her because it was tearing me apart that I, that I made a decision there. And I can't go back? Like, what? Yeah, so there is a point... I've, I've actually looked up a bit about how this game works. There is a point of no return when... Uh, I think it's before uh, Sayori tells you that she loves you. There's a point of no return there. And actually, even prior to that, Monica will break the fourth wall for the first time and say... Hey, it's a good idea for you to save your game, <laughs> which uh, I don't think anyone. I mean, your first time around, nobody really notices that you're just like, okay, it's the game. It's like one of those dumb things where the game is right, like, hey, you should right. you should save. Um, it's played off as like a tip. Like, here's your tip for the yeah. Game. Here's you your tip. Save yeah, game save the game. Yeah. Um, that is the first hint that Monica um, who is. Is yeah, she's more than what she seems she is, but Monica is self-aware. That's the first hint that Monica might be self-aware. Uh, cause she breaks the fourth wall and tells you, not your player character, you the person playing the game, to like gives you an instruction to save the game, which most people will probably just brush off, like, oh, okay, it's the game reminding you to save. Um, but that is actually really important later. Um, and yeah. if you don't make a save there. After Sayori dies, uh, all your saves are gone. Yeah, so... Um, uh, okay. Uh, yep. So uh, that is when I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I love yeah. this sort of thing. I love this sort of thing where uh, you you replay a scenario multiple times, but it's it's different a little bit every time. Like Groundhog Day. I, I love when games do that. Like, um, like the Stanley Parable did that a lot. Uh, I'm trying to think of other games that did that. Anyway, that, that like tickled my fancy. So I loved replaying the whole game without Sayori. Uh I don't know. Like I, I I like that a lot. Um I was not a fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I get what they were trying to do and I do love Groundhog mm-hmm. Day. Uh but the game that first part of the game was just so brutal, so like laborious for me, I will say, that um I <laughs> I found myself speeding up the text after Sayori died too. A little oh bit. no. I no, was, I was I mean I got a few of the hints and I you know, I would slow it down like when I saw uh-huh. something started to be a little bit different, but I was like I was I was kind of like skimming text. I was like kind of fast reading. I just I don't know, man. Oh I was I was a thousand percent well I was very invested after uh after the, the little restart there. Um, it's just too long. That whole part of the game is too long. <laughs> it's too much dialogue. Maybe the setup is, but after the turn there, uh, then I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's do this. And um, in addition to Sayori no longer being in the game, there's a couple weird instances where like, um, you'll start seeing text glitch out and you'll yeah. start seeing like images glitch out. Uh, that's where I was like, yes, I am in. Like, I love, I, that's my other thing. Like, in addition to that format where you like replay a scenario multiple times and like things are slightly different. Uh, I love. You like fourth wall breakage. I like fourth wall breakage, right, uh, which is another thing this game does, uh, very well. But uh, I like the, like, video game, the intentional video game glitch oh, aesthetic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it reminded me of like Metal Gear Solid when they start like glitching out the game um like at the end of one yeah of yeah yeah all of the like uh in the in the original like the some of the psychomantis stuff yeah. the fourth wall breaking stuff but like th- these are like intentional like you'll start seeing images glitch out you'll start seeing the text text glitch out yeah. um you'll start seeing like characters say weird things that you know that they uh, 
like characters start swearing like um the <laughs> yeah, text right, yeah. the text is subtly different than it was the first time around and it's always a little more dark mm-hmm. and you're like whoa that that was different from the first time around and that got way more dark uh uh let's see what what happens after that so, uh the the game's yeah go ahead okay well the the next the next big part for me was uh-huh. when i started finally slowing down and, and paying attention <laughs> uh-huh, to the text yeah, uh-huh. was was towards the end of the first I think it might have even been on, on the second day. Uh-huh. Um, and then I started to notice a lot of the things we talked about. There's definitely some swearing and some some mm-hmm. personalities that were askew. And then, this is what really got me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yuri uh, pulls pull, pulled me aside. Oh, yeah. Um, and, 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 and all the other characters seem to know that you know, we kind of had a thing going, you know. Uh-huh, yep. And then, and you know, and she was still pretty cute. But I started to get some weird vibes from her, you know. So yep. I was still in. I was still. I was still looking for a date. I mean, I know my best friend died, but I was still looking. For <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and so then she like puts me in a closet, and I'm like, you know, this is great. I think we maybe we'll make out. You know, uh-huh. I've been in this situation before. Yeah, that's um, not what happens though. Okay, can I just say that when Yuri gives you these crazy girl eyeballs uh-huh. and gets like. The the characters are always kind of a, a certain size on the screen to uh-huh. imply how far away they are. Yep. And then she's just like huge. She takes up the whole screen. She's up in your face. Mm-hmm. Her eyes are huge, like open wide, and her pupils are tiny. And she has this crazy smile on for like a second. I mean, it was like because then the doors open and, then, and Monica's like, "What are you guys doing in here?" You know. <laughs> but for that second, I sh- I almost shit my pants. Like that was <laughs> terrifying. Uh-huh. Um and, and that's when I realized I'm playing a horror game and I am afraid. Yes. Uh this is definitely a horror game in disguise. Uh absolutely. Uh so I think the next like well the game goes on for a while with the weird like glitch aesthetics and like messed up text and images and stuff which I loved. It was one of my favorite parts. Uh then uh it it gives you another decision like who do you want to like hang out with? So the first time um the first time it was sort of decided by the poems. Uh, this time there's like an explicit like, who do you want? Uh, do you want to help uh, Yuri, Natsuki, or Monica? And if you and your cursor is automatically guided to Monica. <laughs> yeah. And if you pick anything else, the cursor just slides back to Monica. Yeah. And if you yeah, click I Monica, like, like if you click anything else, like the all the options disappear, and then Monica is the only option left. And you, like, click Monica's name, and then her, it, the camera, like, zooms in on her sprite. <laughs> that was amazing. I loved that. Yeah, um, that was pretty funny. Uh, so then Monica gets really happy um, that you picked her because you had no other choice. When, when I, was Yuri's, um, like, little knife? Yeah, so I think play. it's shortly I think it's shortly after that. Um, yeah. what, does Yuri do the same thing? I think Yuri tells you that she loves you or something like that. Yeah, and then regardless of whether or not you reciprocate her love, uh, she just whips out a knife and starts stabbing herself in the belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the game super glitches out. Um, the text just goes crazy, and you're like stuck in the classroom with her corpse for like three days over the weekend. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> before that, before that though, did you get the arm one though? The arms, the arms. Yeah, no. There was a scene. Um, where Yuri goes out to get like water, uh huh, and um and and I guess it was because I I chosen to I don't know kind of still pursue her, and I go out you go out 
and the hallways are empty. And then you turn a corner and like towards the water, and you just hear like a sound and her like some like I don't know. I can I didn't quite understand what they were going for. If it was like her making noises like mm-hmm. <laughs> like that or something, yeah. I don't know. And then and then you turn a corner, and out, out of nowhere, the, the the game just pops up to you. Yuri like cutting her arms, like I mean, yep, in a in a in a very gory way. Like I mean, there's blood, mm-hmm. and that was such a like shocking like. Whoop. But the weird thing is, r- as soon as you see that. The game kind of zips back to the classroom and acts as if that never happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. then, then later on, you find out Yuri's like, yeah, also like stabs herself and then like dies. Yeah, and then you spend the night with the with the, yeah, nights with the body. That was weird. Um, yeah, you spend the whole weekend with her corpse, and then mm-hmm. I think uh, Natsuki comes back in and then like vomits, <laughs> and then Monica comes <laughs> back in, and Monica's like, oh, oops. Uh, I guess she went a little crazy or something. Uh, then the game reboots again, and you're just face to face with just Monica. Uh, <laughs> and Monica informs you that she has been self-aware this whole time. She is aware that, to some to some extent, she is aware that she's in a video game, and she also has, to some extent, control over the game's code. And has been altering the code. So she's been altering the code with the intent of making uh, the other girls less attractive. And thereby making her the most uh, desirable girl, right? So she made, like, Yuri or uh, Sayori more obsessive or more depressive. uh, Then altered the code to make uh, Yuri's knife fetish go out of control and kill herself, right? Uh, Then she straight up admits that she has deleted all of the other character files and she is the only character who is left in the game so the next thing that happens uh this is what got me this is what sent the chills right up my spine she uh i had been okay so at the very beginning of the game it asks you to enter your name which i put like dwarf or the dwarf which is my smash tag which is actually uh uh sort of a a weird coincidence I'll, i'll get i'll get back to that in a second uh, but she says, hey, your name isn't actually Dorf, is it? No, it's not. It's James. And that was like, what? Uh, <laughs> uh, did that happen to you too? Yeah, I mean, I was using Leo. But uh-huh. she, oh, she, okay. she was like, uh, well, yeah, I'm telling you, I was really trying to trying to get with these girls. Um, uh-huh. and, and I think she was like, yeah, uh, Leo, or is it Elgerez-PC? <laughs> oh no! Like, oh, that's, no, it's definitely Leo. <laughs> oh, so you had like the opposite thing, yeah? Because uh, yeah. I think what the game tries to do is it pulls um, your your Windows domain name, I think, or your NT yeah. login or something, yeah. to try to figure out what your real name was. Which on my PC, that's my actual name. Like that's my Windows name is James. So like it worked in that instance, and I was like, oh my god, like what is happening? Yeah, so great. then Monica starts direct uh, addressing, like directly addressing you, the person playing the game, like not your player character avatar. Like she's talking directly to you, and she's like, yeah, I re- I'm I've fallen in love with you, and I really want to get to know you and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I loved that like i love because like the whole t- so the beginning of the game is like this weird like uh dating sim visual novel right when it's, it's like oh which of these girls do you like like which of these girls you want to fall in love with but like the twist is like no 
this game has been playing you. You haven't been playing the game. The game's been playing you. And one of the girls is obsessed with you. Like, not your player character. You, the person playing the game. Yeah. Like, I loved that idea. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this part of the game? Because oh. I was like, a th- I was a thousand percent invested in this part of the game. Yes. At this point, I was fully in it. I didn't. I didn't skip any more text and stuff. This was really what I came here for. Uh, yep. And I gotta say, when she, um, you know, confessed your love for me as the player, um, you know, I took it as a sign of like everything she she talked about doing so far was really um, a great sign of ambition and strength. And uh, if she wanted to get some coffee, I was into it. (laughs) Uh, No, I was super creeped out. Uh, Especially when the game correctly uh, guessed my name. That was very creepy. Uh, Like, for for a second there, like, as, as, like, even as somebody who's played a ton of games and who is somebody who is a computer programmer and knows how a lot of these tricks work, Mm -hmm. uh, like, that, that... Like, my suspension of disbelief was so strong that all of that knowledge went out the window. And I was like, oh, God, this game is after me now. Yeah, like, yeah, it was, <laughs> oh, God, what is this game doing? It was kind of, t- was kind of scary, you know, when she starts talking to you like that. I was, I was a little on edge, for sure. Especially, like, having the game correctly a- a- a guess my name. I was like, oh, no, what, what sorcery is this? What is going on? <laughs> oh, um, and what's funny is um, I-, I actually had already been... Uh, poking around through the through the game files a little bit. Oh, okay. So at that point, I had not, because uh, uh, there's a couple extremely subtle hints that like. So I think when Sayori kills herself, there is yeah. something that there's like a crash log that says like writ wrote log to whatever error.txt or something That's like that. The one. There's a yes. couple. There's a couple extremely subtle hints that there's something going on with the game code, but I had not checked it. Until so, so Monica, I, I, I had because of the fact that my saves were cleared, so oh, I was pissed okay, off. Okay, yeah, the fact mm-hmm. that I lost my saves and I saw that crash earlier, and I was like, you know what? Let me check the code. Are my effing saves there? And I went, and then I found out that there was like you know a text file that says something like you know let me out or like yeah, you know, there, there's like all hints. these. And if you open it, there's, like, all these really creepy drawings or extremely creepy poems. Yes. I saw, like, one creepy drawing and stuff. Yes. Yes. So I started seeing stuff like that earlier on, which added to the immersiveness of being creeped out. But at the time, mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense. So I don't know right. how you felt when, when Monica really, like, explains what she was doing controlling all these characters and stuff. At this point, I was like, oh, my God. You are in the files. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I mean I mean I'm I made the revelation uh th- there like in that moment yeah. cuz she starts talking about like oh I deleted all the character files and I think right. she tells you like where the, they're in this folder and, it, and she's like you you bought the game on Steam so they're in this folder. I'm like oh no. Like how does she know all these things? <laughs> like I, <laughs> awesome, um man. So I think if you keep playing the game, like it'll keep rebooting itself, and Monica will keep coming back up, and she'll keep having like conversations with you. Oh, okay. And then like if you close the game or if you Alt F four and like go back in, she'll be like, "Oh, what happened? I had weird dreams or something like that," um, which is cool. Um, but I think at that point, if you go into the character files, you can either delete Monica or you can. Yeah, I think the first thing most people do is try to delete Monica, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what I did. Um, so if you delete Monica's character file and relaunch the game, 
um well, they'll be like oh monica's well, like well, how could well, you well, first of all as you delete her she starts to deteriorate into this like yeah you know yeah artifact of like she's like what what's happening like i don't know yeah right you know. uh-huh uh and then yeah she's like how could you whatever whatever right. i can't believe you did this She's like, fine, I'll restore all of the characters back or something like that. So then if you go back into the character folder, uh, Sayori, uh, Yuri, and Natsuki are all back. But there's no Monica. So then you start the game a third time from the beginning and start playing through it. uh, And this time there's no Monica. But, like, the game is still... um, There's still something clearly wrong because, like... Sayori then becomes the president of the club, but then Sayori starts freaking out again. Because, like, Sayori can, to some extent, tell that there's something not right. And I, at this point, I wasn't sure if, like, uh, Monica was still pulling the strings from beyond somewhere. Mm-hmm. If, like, Monica was still in the code. Or if, like, it was, like, this game is cursed and whoever is the... Um, literature club president will always be like self-aware or something i wasn't really clear on what was happening uh but eventually the game will start freaking out again sayori will freak out and monica will come back uh and i think at that point she she like wipes everything and the game the game and she says like the end whatever the credits roll and then the game becomes unplayable unless you reinstall it yeah yeah (laughs) this is a big like interesting thing for me uh but uh-huh. i didn't like that <laughs> but but I well get it. that's actually a uh i looked up again how this game works uh that's actually apparently the bad ending of the game uh-huh. is if you end up like that uh where you where monica whatever comes back and wipes everything that was like the bad ending what you're supposed to do is when monica the first time she breaks the fourth wall and tells you to save your game um, if you make a safe point there, you can go back and experience, um, uh, like, the date with either Yuri or Natsuki, depending on uh, what, whatever. The point is you're supposed to do all of the different endings. And if you've done all of the different endings and then do all this stuff, instead of the game freaking out again and Monica coming back, like, Sayori will just come up and say, like, oh, like, thank you for uh whatever spending so much time with us or something like that and then like you get like the good ending or something like that um because then the credits roll and it's like happy music as opposed to i think the music gets really creepy right or no it's monica sings you a song that's what it is right that was super creepy creepy. that was very creepy (laughs) um um i saw i saw the video of like the good ending because you know yeah i got i got that really shitty ending and then i uh-huh. was like was what, what 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 is the deal like you know i have to reinstall my game this is bs and then uh i saw the good ending. have did you see what happens kind of at the end i just read that there was a good ending um okay i i didn't actually watch it or experience it so i, I think you'd like it it was really cool because basically i don't know who did it first or something but it was almost like a willy wonka-esque thing where like the author you know the developer of the game mm-hmm. um the main guy actually writes you a letter oh okay cool yeah it shows up on the screen and it was like you know thank you for playing this game and for taking the time to you know go through and like do all the saves and stuff and yep. uh and you know the, talked about um i don't know i think he talks about like depression and stuff and talks about um i don't know just real deep topics and stuff but it's basically like a letter to the player saying thank you and and whatever and and that, that was kind of neat yeah we should actually mention i forgot to mention who the developer of this game is uh it's a guy named dan salvato which when 
Uh, I realized that he made this game. I lost my mind because I recognized his name from the Smash community. He is uh, a very prominent member uh, in like the Smash hacking community. He was uh, really involved with Project M. He is very involved with the Melee 20XX hack pack. Uh, if you've ever used like the 20XX training pack for Melee. Yeah. Um, he's He was also a really prominent Link main in Project M. He went... His smash tag is or was uh, Internet Explorer. So if you if you know Internet Explorer, I think that was his smash tag. Which was funny that I happened to be playing the game with my smash tag, which is why I said <laughs> that was funny earlier. Yeah. Um, and there are a, a couple of very subtle uh, uh, smash references in the game. I think... Um, uh, okay, so... When the game reboots itself, it has that content warning, right? right? There's a random chance that that content warning will will like glitch out or be something different. There's a random chance that the content warning will say Project M died for this, oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, which funny. I would have I would have lost my entire shit if I had solved that content warning. Um, yeah. There's also, I think, either Yuri or Natsuki makes a reference to playing Super Smash Brothers or something um, in the game. Well, now now that I've played Doki Doki, him being that involved with the hacking community and everything, now it makes a lot of sense that he did so well with yeah. this game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so overall, though, I think the game was fantastic, and if you've listened this long and not played it, you're an idiot. Uh, but <laughs> you should definitely go play through it to experience it yourself yeah it it is it is um especially if you like um i don't know if you like horror games or well i mean now uh, if you're listening to this you have either played the game or you've had the whole game spoiled for you but um it's it's really cool to have that like unexpected turn in there if you don't know i mean to some extent you're always going to know that this game is hiding a secret but to find out what that secret is 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 uh fun uh, I loved all of the like weird glitch stuff and fourth wall breaking stuff. I loved the idea of um, Monica being kind of a self-aware villain computer character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I loved that. Uh, that was extremely good. And the last thing I want to comment on, uh, because we're running a little long, is uh, the music. All right. I loved the music in this. Um, so uh, maybe I'll put a little sample in here. The music is kind of... Uh, intentionally like simple and like midi-ish it's it the music sounds really amateur right right um which i think is perfect because that's presumably the sort of i i I think it's going after an aesthetic right i think it's it's trying to emulate the music that you get in a lot of these like whatever like dating sims or visual it's, novels it's kind of poking um, fun at that genre a little bit like you know, here's your little yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so I, I wasn't sure in the beginning whether or not the music was an intentional choice or if it was you know i i, I wasn't i wasn't sure like how intentional that that music was but it is a thousand percent intentional and even and if you listen to it there's even like a couple of like off key notes or some like misplayed notes in a lot of the themes, especially especially post um, reboot with uh, with Monica. Oh yeah, because then the music starts like glitching yeah. out, playing really slowly, uh, playing out of key, and like yeah, ugh, uh, that's cool. Gr- great job with the music. Yeah, great cool. job with the music. Yeah, I loved I loved this. This is one of my. Uh, it was really good. It was really good. Uh, this is one of my favorite recent 
whatever horror games i guess i will say one thing too i watched a video and i think i sent it to you um and there is a thing with some of the files that like didn't really do anything um you can actually decode them they're basically like base uh 64 encrypted or whatever mm-hmm. um and, and you can uh figure out what kind of files there are some of them are images yeah and some of them are more creepy poems creepy images yeah creepy poems creepy and some of those images that were encoded actually hint at the fact that perhaps these characters will be seen again oh yeah new um horror adventure created by dan salvato I, I noticed that, that they were hinting at uh, a new project or something. So I'm uh, extremely eager to see uh, what his next project will be. Because that, um, assuming this is the first game he has made, I mean, I know he's obviously done a ton of stuff with modding and hacking. Um, I don't know, I, I don't really know if he's made any, like, other amateur games or something. But if this is his first attempt, like, well done. yeah, Very incredible. well done. Uh, yeah. Incredible job. So, yeah, uh, I'll be... Looking forward to what comes next from Team Salvato. For sure. Um, all right. So our tie-in today uh, is going to be our top five story-based games, mm-hmm. uh, which which seem to be appropriate for a game like Doki Doki, which was uh, very heavily uh, story-involved. Um, what's your number five? My number five uh, was one that I think uh, you introduced me to and might be the first Telltale game I ever played. Oh. Uh, and it's called The Wolf Among Us. Oh, yeah. Good one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Telltale, they have a lot of different games, and, and all of them are very heavily focused on narrative and decision-making. And um, a lot of them are, are themed after different shows and everything that um, are popular, like The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. Or But um, I was not really interested in any of those games. But The Wolf Among Us was interesting because it was not about any particular existing show or series really it was just this concept of what if these uh fantasy um fable really is more accurate um characters like the big bad wolf and snow white and all that were uh modern day uh mm-hmm. and what if you played the big bad wolf who really wasn't that bad he's a detective he's a cop um he just kind of has like you know maybe a drinking problem uh <laughs> and so he's kind of like that character uh and it was just very uh, unique setting for me. I mean, I know there's other things that do things with like fable stories being in modern day and everything, but I just felt like they did it really well. Uh, and and yeah, Telltale does a good job of kind of like uh, giving you good feedback on the decisions you make and everything. So yeah, it was it was. Um, I liked the. I mean, it was a fairy tale adapted for modern day, but also skewed um, really darkly. Sort of it was. Um, yeah, it was sort a lot of a. Darker. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, a, a dark modern day fairy tale. Yeah, My yeah. number five um, is a horror game, also similar to Doki Doki. Uh, it is Silent Hill Two. Oh, okay. So, uh, for anyone who hasn't played Silent Hill Two, this game comes with a pretty major caveat. Um, and I would say, <laughs> and this is gonna sound weird, this game is not fun to play. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, okay. but the story uh is absolutely sublime in silent uh-huh. hill 2 um so when i say the game's not fun to play the the combat's a little clunky um which is fine because it's 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 a survival horror game right and i think if if you have too much precision and too much control in a survival horror game it's st- and you become good at it 
it stops becoming scary because you're not afraid of anything if you're good enough at the game where you know you're going to kill any monster you encounter. So the, the combat's a little sloppy, and some of the puzzles are not great, but the reason to play this game is for the atmosphere and the story. And one of the things the story does really well is embrace the medium of video games. And this is, I think, the one of the first video games uh, I've seen really do this. So to, to give a counterexample, I think... Uh, a lot of the stories we see in like games now, especially like uh, big AAA games, are they're really cutscene heavy and they're trying to mimic like movie storytelling, right? It, the, a lot of the like big AAA storytelling is the same sort of storytelling you'd get in big blockbuster movies. They're very cutscene heavy, like you know, just high action, high drama, whatever. Um, and and. And Doki Doki is also an example of the opposite of this. It is a story that can only be told in the medium of video games, right? There's no way you could adapt Doki Doki to be a book or a movie or so. It it doesn't work. Like, it has to be a video game. It fundamentally has to be a video game in order to tell the story that Doki Doki is trying to tell, right? Right. Same thing with Silent Hill, um, Silent Hill 2 specifically. Uh, it uses um, level design, the medium of level design and monster design uh, to communicate themes and symbolism in its story. And it is probably not even going to be immediately apparent, even if you're like five to ten hours into the game, until you start um digging into the plot of the story and like making some realizations uh, and some you, you start realizing what's happening in the story in Silent Hill and then that like totally recontextualizes all of the places that you've been all of the experiences that you've had all of the monsters that you've encountered you're like oh my god like that is that way because of this element in the story it's it it gets it gets meta and i love that <laughs> So yeah, it's it, it's an extremely good story. I I've sort of been tiptoeing around what the story actually is. So um, without spoiling anything, it um, the story begins when James Sunderland, uh, who is the main character, gets a letter from his wife um, asking him to meet her in Silent Hill. Uh, but his wife has been dead for a very long time, and oh, that's um, creepy. Yeah, that's the catalyst for the story. Uh, so if that sounds interesting to you at all, and you don't mind some some clunkier mechanics and puzzle design, uh, I would a thousand percent recommend Silent Hill Two. Cool. I've never played the Silent Hill series that much. I have to go. I have a PS Two. I could always go pick that up. Um, okay, my number four is one that uh, you actually introduced me to. Oh, um, and. I will say that there's a couple of or several games in this series, but I really truly loved the very first one. The game is called Nine Nine Nine. Good choice. Yeah, um, this was uh, kind of a horror game as well. I don't know what's with these story games being scary, uh, but yeah. I mean, it was a little bit more kind of like murder mystery and and puzzles and um, like if you guys have ever seen Saw, it was yeah. basically anime version of Saw. Yeah. 
it's very like murder murder pulpy yeah and like murder puzzle you know like you had to yeah Mm -hmm. try to escape or you know figure out your way out or whatever um Mm -hmm. but what i loved about this this game is that literally the, the emphasis was on the story and and the decisions that you made to the point where i mean I don't know how in later games in the series, they actually ended up putting mechanics to go back and replay certain scenes uh, and, and make different decisions to try to get to different endings. But there was still this concept of like so many different endings that you can get. Um, and uh, it was you know, overall very interesting. I try to figure out like who was like, you know, it's kind of a murder mystery and, 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 and escaping and everything, uh, but kind of an unknown game. So uh, if you haven't checked it out, it's for the, it's for the Nintendo DS. It is also all three. It's so that's the first game in a trilogy called the Nonary Games or something like that. Right. All three of those games are on Steam. Nine 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 Virtue's Last Reward and uh, Zero Time Dilemma. I think is the third one. Yeah. Um, they're all on Steam, and you can get them okay, all great. in a nice, nice little package. Yeah, check those out. They're really good. Um, my what are we on? Oh, number four. My number four. Uh, I've mentioned this before. Um. It is a game called The Beginner's Guide. And uh, in, in keeping with Doki Doki, uh, it is very meta. It is, um, it's a video game that's very much aware that it is a video game. Um, it is a game made by Davey Reedon, who also co-created The Stanley Parable. Um, so if you've played The Stanley Parable, you know to expect uh, something oh, yeah. extremely, extremely meta. Yeah. Um, only, only this game does not have the sense of humor i mean there are i guess some funny parts in it but it it is not jokey um because i think the the main intent of the stanley parable is using like video game uh language to um create jokes um and this is using video game like meta video game language to um discuss uh, a lot of more uh heavy topics um so the game similar to doki doki there's a lot more under the surface than what is initially presented but the game is initially presented uh as davy reedon uh like you are talking directly to davy reedon the game designer and it's davy reedon who has um come across a collection of um levels that have been made by a creator named coda and it's a study of coda's level design which eventually turns into a study of Coda, which eventually becomes a commentary on how much can you infer uh, about a person by playing their levels and then uh. like vice versa. And then it becomes, it becomes a lot of, th- that game has a lot of different levels and um, comments on a deep. lot of, it's very deep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good, especially if you're interested in um game. whatever meta storytelling and or game design and or level design. Uh The Beginner's Guide is extremely good. All right. Um my number 3 is one I've talked to you about often and you still don't mm-hmm. believe me, but uh it has a great story. It's called The Last of Us. Oh yeah. I I I totally believe you. I my my hesitation is just with like I know it's going to be like high drama high stress like which is fine like those those types of games are fine but like for me specifically i just need something a little less uh committal i guess yeah. than to in immerse myself in high stress high drama it is very high stress high drama that is true um which is surprising that i played through it 
tell yeah tell me about tell me about the game sell me on this i i mean i don't know man uh, it's just good <laughs> okay uh no i mean uh the the the, the game is very tropey uh okay but you know there's there's just something about something that even though there's the classic kind of zombie tropes and like the you know the whole beginning is is a great example of just your typical kind of like zombie movie and how it starts and everything and that's fine but they just uh-huh. it's very cinematic um okay. and for a video game to do such a good job of making you feel like you're watching a movie and then playing that character in the movie uh mm-hmm. it was just fantastic i mean the camera angles um the art style and the graphics at the time helped with that. I'm not sure how you know, there is an HD remake available on PS4, I think now. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how how relevant that is anymore. But uh, just the story just kind of hooks you from the very beginning, and it's just a classic kind of like apocalyptic deal. But it's just done very. It's done. I mean, I don't know. It's done very well. And for I would say that most video games don't even do this good of a job of portraying kind of the classic um, zombie uh, apocalypse sort of a thing. Um, and then, and then there are some twists, you know, and it's kind of more explorative and stealthy. You know, it's not like you're just kind of running and gunning and killing zombies. It's, it feels very real. It feels like you can die at any second. And then mm-hmm. there's this kind of grander story in that um, this kind of uh, adult dude um, who's uh, taken on kind of traveling with this younger girl. Uh, they come to realize that this girl might be the key to you know everything right so um so it's it's yeah it's it's a very it makes you want to like see what happens and and survive just to see like what what happens by the end of the story yeah and yeah so it's really really good my number three is um my number three i talked about before it is a game uh called what remains of edith finch the premise of this game is that you are a girl returning to your um, the house that you grew up in, but you're returning by yourself, and all of the family members that you grew up with in this house are now deceased. Um, so she's kind of exploring this house and having all of these recollections about these family members, and each time you have a recollection about a specific family member, it um, it sort of transitions into like a a, a flashback. But the flashbacks are all mechanically and aesthetically unique to the character that you're having a flashback Uh. about. So um, one of the really cool ones was, um, and it happens early in the game, um, you're having a a recollection of, um, it's a cousin or a niece or something that died really young. So um, when you're having the flashback about this little girl, um everything uh, you're low to the ground and then um like her imagination is still really active so like everything is cartoony and larger than life and um i don't know it's good (laughs) (laughs) i'm having trouble describing this it's it's uh it's good though (laughs) okay i believe you i mean i mean that's enough for me to go try it out yeah you absolutely should um it's it's um good (laughs) (laughs) so so as a summary it's good it's good uh it's good it's It's, something and it's good uh it it also has a lot of uh deeper topics but um if if you're okay with exploring some deeper topics check out what remains of edith finch okay so we're getting to the top two here oh here we go 
interestingly, um, I could not choose a single game for my number two slot. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if we're going to have any overlap here, because thus far we have no, not. Yeah. Um, and I, I noticed that mine are, well, I guess The Wolf, of, the Wolf Among Us and 999 are more unknown but like now when i get into like the last of us and this number two and number one they're more like very well-known games um Uh i will say for number two let's just say anything by bioware oh wow okay i mean what has bioware made that is not a heavy story driven game that's true it's been enjoyed by millions of people um it's weird because they're you know a more of a triple a studio um and you would expect I don't know. A lot of times when it comes to story-driven games, you would expect that someone who was more of like an indie game developer can really put their heart and soul into the story and all that. I don't know, mm-hmm. man. Bioware just like, they've got the formula. If I had to choose one specific Bioware game, I guess it would be Knights of the Old Republic, maybe? Like that. I think we've nice. talked, okay. talked about that in the past. Um, A very good Star Wars RPG. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, story is just heavily, heavily... Uh, involved with all of their games you know, Dragon Age mm-hmm. and uh, Mass mm-hmm. Effect series. I mean, just ah, just great. And and decision making. I th- they were kind of like the fathers of making decisions. I would think. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and that impacting your game for real. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, if look up Bioware as a publisher, uh, pick a game, you'll love it. Uh, good recommendation. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic is a classic. Uh, Star Wars RPG. Uh, also, um, yeah, Mass Effect. Specifically the second Mass Effect game. I love that one. My number two, uh, my number two uh, favorite story-based game uh, is also really, really meta, um, which I think speaks to my personal preference for this yeah. sort of thing. It is it is Undertale. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a game that ha- has one or more characters that uh, have a certain degree of of self awareness uh, and can affect you know there, there's um, well I don't want to spoil Undertale too much but uh, it is at the beginning it's a story about it, it's sort of um almost like a fairy tale or a fantasy esque story about a human who falls into a den of monsters uh, who live underground hence the name Undertale but. The monsters um, may be um, more human than they first let on. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's a game that is full of... Okay, so I said before that like Silent Hill embraces video game storytelling in a way that is... Like I, I mean, they obviously have Silent Hill movies. They've adapted that. I was going to say movies. that, right? But I mean, but you're, I see what you're saying, though. Like that particular story can only be done in that. Medium. Yeah, but that that particular story, you can't. It just you can't adapt that to a movie or a book. It playing experiencing Silent Hill two is is fundamental to understanding that story. Anyway, um, similarly, Undertale does jokes that are only possible. If you've that that only land if you have played a ton of video games and are are used to the medium of video games and what video games do, um, and there are only jokes that are possible in in video games. So two two jokes spring to mind. Um, the first is right at the very beginning of the game. Um, uh, so this. You're, you're playing as this human who has stumbled into this den of monsters. And one of the very first ones you meet 
is kind of this um, kind motherly figure. Um, and one of the first areas you go into, uh, there's all of these like platforms of spikes. And you're like, okay, I think I see how this works. I just have to like avoid the spikes or whatever. But then like the monster just grabs your hand and like, it's just a cut scene where she just guides you through the spikes. And then she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like uh, yeah. those, those look dangerous. We'll just go on to the next room. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, what? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so that whole setup with the spikes was just for a joke. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, and my other favorite joke, <laughs> and th- this is like, ah, this is, this is proof that Toby Fox, the creator of undertale, not only has a good grasp on like the anatomy of a joke, but also a good grasp on game design and how to adapt that humor to how to adapt the anatomy of a joke to, uh, to the medium of video games. So uh, (laughs) the joke is um, you're on the phone with a character and the character says, okay, you're going to be moving across this conveyor belt and you need to write at the, write at the perfect instance you need to press A to activate the switch. Okay, are you ready? And you're like, yes, I'm ready. Here we go. I'm going to press A right at the exact moment. Um, so you're scrolling across this conveyor belt and you're, you've got your finger on the A button and you're all ready to press it, right? Like that's the setup of the joke. But then the like turn in the joke is that he calls you back on the phone and pulls up the text box again. And he's like, hey, it's me again. I just wanted to... And then... Because the text box is active, pressing A advances the text box instead of pressing the switch. So no matter what, your character will miss the switch (laughs) because you're on the phone talking to this guy again. And he's like, oh, never mind. I figured out a way to remotely uh, activate the switch. Like, don't even worry about it. (laughs) Yes, that's so good. Like, it's like, I I love the, like, the the setup and the misdirection that happens in that joke like extremely good uh undertale is good at jokes and stories (laughs) the undertale like i still have yet to finish that um Uh primarily because of all those reasons you stated and the fact that what it's led me if i could say in in, in one brief statement it's that i do not trust that game (laughs) okay i just don't (laughs) trust it I just, well, what do you mean? Everything about it. I just, uh-huh. like, everything I think is real is not. Yeah. And, yes. Uh-huh. And it's like, I'm like, I, what are you? And I just, yeah. I, it's because of that I've lost, like, trust in the game. And I just, I just <laughs> that game play. preys, that game counts on the fact that you've played lots of games like it and, right. like, and right. always subverts your expectations. Very good. Very good game, though, yeah. Okay. Now we have arrived at our number ones. And again, I have, uh, a lot of difficulty choosing one game in this series created uh-huh. by these people. Yep. But I, I will again say it as anything by Quantic Dream. Oh, wow. I could not disagree more. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm a, I mean, I'm, I guess I consider me a Quantic Dream fanboy. Yes, I mean, obviously some of the games are better than others, but I, overall, I actually, I, I will play any Quantic Dream game and really um, quite enjoy um, the, I think the, the, if I had to land on one, I, I mean, obviously a lot of people would probably say Detroit Become Human, but that's just because it's newer um, and it's, so it's got a lot, you know, more to it. But I, remembering like my first playthrough of Heavy Rain was, um, really really enjoyable um and I, and that's what's funny about all these games is my wife is not a gamer um yep. by any stretch of the imagination uh but she can actually for the most part enjoy sitting down next to me and playing these games they're so cinematic um and the inputs are so 
there's like very little um, HUD and everything in, in these games. So yep. it really is like you're watching a movie, uh, and but you're actively making decisions and interacting with the characters. So she will she will oftentimes sit with me as I play these games and then like make decisions and say like, oh, you should say this or you should say that. Yeah, and you know, like if if there's one theme in all of my stories, it's about like multi endings and decision making. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that is uh, true. That is yeah. Those games yeah. also have a lot of um, decisions that'll affect the outcome of your story. So, yeah. um, what's your beef? I would say start with Heavy Rain and probably end with Heavy Rain. What? <laughs> um, I really like Heavy Rain. Uh, Indigo Prophecy. I did not finish. I thought that game was uh inconsistent uh there were some good parts and some bad parts uh beyond two souls was a train wreck that game was a disaster <laughs> oh I don't that know. game was oh my gosh that game was irredeemably bad what did you like about beyond two souls i, I don't know it had like kind of like a cool like you know i mean it wasn't as good but no uh, it was not as good it was like watching like a like a Rotten Tomatoes, like sixty percent movie, you know. <laughs> it was it was everything that was like bad about Heavy Rain, and then they just made a whole game of it. <laughs> uh, I did not like the characters. I did not like the like everything in that plot was so contrived and like oh, uh, it oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, but here's was, here's my um, problem too is I think I might I also get these people confused with who made um. Who made Until Dawn? Uh, uh, Supermassive. Uh, Supermassive and Quantic Dreams def- de- definitely share a lot of DNA. I think Supermassive is almost certainly insp- inspired by a lot of David Cage's work. Yeah. I liked... Um, I think Until Dawn uh, was great. <laughs> yeah, that was um, great. I mean, uh, it's very campy and, and silly, but like so are a lot of horror movies right. that it's it, drawing it did that inspiration from. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I often, oftentimes, like I think mentally, I throw in Until Dawn into into that the makers of uh, all the other games we were talking about. Like, yeah, two Mark different Archer studios. Dream. But you know, nonetheless, um, that's why I think I, I, I do put a little bit more. I say like oh, any game because they have like Until Dawn, but they don't. Okay, but still, uh, Detroit Become Human is really good too. Have you have you been playing that? Yeah, yeah, I played it and uh, I've I've gotten like two of the endings. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was so turned off by Beyond Two Souls that uh, I vowed to not play Detroit Become Human. Uh, wow. You are the first person who has reported back uh, good things about that game. I've heard a lot of negative things about that game. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not you know, it's not like mind-breaking amazing or anything but you know uh-huh. it's like an enjoyable you just kind of play through the story they have a lot of cool actors it's like i don't know I, I, okay at worst i feel like all of the games by quantic uh dream um are like mm-hmm. movies that you would watch on like uh cable tv that yeah it's kind of like a okay. rerun of an old movie so if you if you want to just sit down and have a very low investment right. interactive movie yeah. yeah okay i mean it's not like that's fair these aren't like the greatest game in the world but i i just find yeah. that maybe it's kind of the format too i really enjoy just kind of interacting with the story and, and seeing what happens i love i love that stuff too i love um just really uh, uh whatever high high cinematic stuff if that's done well uh which i think heavy rain has i mean there's some bad stuff in heavy rain too but that has a higher batting average than the rest of the rest of quantic dreams games i would not uh categorically recommend their entire catalog catalog i i would say uh, uh heavy rain is a good place to start and 
<laughs> maybe and-, and-, oh, and and actually and actually if you like heavy rain probably go play until dawn yeah um, i mean that might be like might be that might be my two best recommendations too yeah uh those two games are good anyway right. um whoa we spent a lot of time Back on that you. um my number one um is uh extremely well known uh in 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 contrast to the other four games on my list which are probably not as well known uh it is um a story that i think uh oh god how long has it been even uh what yeah 20 years later uh people are still obsessing about to the point where we now have a remake in the works that is final fantasy 7 um and i i i I mean, so we said, um, like, story-based games, and uh, I think, you know, Final Fantasy VII is obviously a JRPG, but but I think one of the main reasons people still talk about that game and still remember that game are for all of the story beats, right? Because people talk about, like, oh my gosh, the first time that I knew Aerith was going to die and I lost a party member. Spoiler or, you know, alert. Yeah. Well, the game's 20 years old now, and, uh, you know, uh, if you haven't played it, um go play it before i spoil the rest of it but yeah you know um all of the big things you know uh cloud realizing that you know he's not who he thinks he was and uh uh there's a lot of good um reveals in that game uh that i think uh, and, and also the characters are very memorable uh, uh the cast of characters are 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 very good um, yeah they did a very good job with their kind of like character kind of development i guess you would say mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously, so many people played that game. That was such a big hit, both here in America and then, obviously, in Japan as well. I mean, it's the game that, for the large part, is credited with um, popularizing uh, the JRPGs, the Japanese role-playing games in America. And I think a lot of that has to do with the the big... uh, a A lot of that has to do with the story in the game. Yeah, and then and then and then that really set the stage for really the greatest Final Fantasy JRPG release, which is Final Fantasy VIII. You know, right after. So, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll discuss that. We'll we'll discuss Final Fantasy at a later time. We'll do our certainly. top five Final Fantasies on another episode. All right, um, we are running long again. Do you have any endorsements? Uh, real quick, uh, in about. Three three days, uh, something like that. I'm, I may or may not be counting down here. Uh, Shenmue, the HD release, will be out. Yes. So I'm sure by the time you're listening to this podcast, you probably already have the ability to go and play Shenmue 1 and 2 on your Xbox One or PS4. And I highly, highly recommend you do that. Or PC, yes. Um, um, now, I, now, now, that being said, I don't know how good these HD remakes are going to be. And I'm I'm a little scared that there might be some bugginess and stuff, but we'll see. Maybe they patch some stuff up, and uh, yeah, really recommend playing those games. It can't be much worse than having to track down a, a Dreamcast emulator or a Dreamcast to play the game. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's got to be better than the Dreamcast emulator. And, <laughs> and we game, will. That is very buggy. We will certainly be discussing uh, Shenmue on a upcoming episode. So go ahead and get that. Get that game played if you haven't already, because that will almost definitely be a topic on a future episode. Yes. I am going to endorse a television program. It is um, 
a television program on HBO. So if you have HBO, uh, good. If you don't, then, you know, find one of your friends that has HBO and get their password. Uh, it is a television program called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It is a ah. it is a weekly um, half hour long uh, comedy show, um, similar in format to uh, The Daily Show with John Stewart. Or, well, I guess John Stewart's no longer running it. Obviously, it's what Trevor Noah, I guess, is doing it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, John Oliver used to be on The Daily Show. He was one of John Stewart's protégés. Um, yeah. But I really enjoy. Um, the format of John Oliver's show he'll have similar to us he'll have like a main topic and then something else he likes to discuss but his main topics are extremely thoroughly researched and he kind of goes on uh whatever uh, he gets on his soapbox and explains um the circumstances of a of a certain issue and then why that issue is problematic and then what if anything, people can do to address that issue. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, similar to the daily show, it's, it's extremely political. So if that is not your bag, uh, that's understood. But uh, if, if you don't mind that and uh, enjoy some informative topics uh, with some humor sprinkled in, I would recommend last week tonight with John Oliver. And I'm a very humorous person, so when it comes to, you know, how do we talk about serious issues that we shouldn't laugh about, I love to laugh about them. So that that appeals to me very heavily. Okay, cool. Well, next week, next week I want to discuss either um, Monster Hunter World or uh, Octopath Traveler. Uh, are you interested in either of those? Because I... I mean, I think it would be fun to talk about monster hunter world just because i don't i don't i don't know i we talk a lot about we, about really good games on this podcast and it might be oh <laughs> shots <laughs> fired wow all right well next episode we'll be discussing monster hunter world apparently yeah. uh <laughs> so for this episode of the good games podcast i am james and i'm leo And we will see you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Um, My number one is um, uh, probably a little more well-known. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was number two. Okay. You just said number one. Yeah, I go first. I started. No, so I, I, I started yeah. with Wolf Among Us. Did I skip something? You must have. What happened? What? What's your number two? Oh, no! I gave my number two before my number three. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm a dummy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this or something. <laughs> um. Oh, boy.